came to America when he was six months old. He started as a stock boy at the grocery store. Eventually, he owned it. He turned it into the biggest grocery store chain in New York City. He now owns a real estate company worth over $2 billion. He ran for mayor of New York City. He almost won. You can't make this story up. This is the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. Everywhere around the world, they come to America. Every time that flag's unfurled, they come to America. Good morning, America. This is the Cats Roundtable. John Katsimatidis here, Sunday morning. We have one great uh, show for you today. Uh, I must note, we cut some of the uh, interviews down, so on our website or on the mailing you get, you will have the full interview. Uh, we're going to have Janine Pirro, uh, what's going on in our country. Uh, we have Mario Konomu on the update on go goings on in Europe. Dr. Peter Michalos, we want to all live longer. Uh, we have Gordon G. Chang and the Far East and Larry Kudlow on the economy. And let's start off with Vice President Pence, who came to my office a few days ago, and uh, I thought we should replay it because it was done right in my studio together. Thank you, John. It's great to be back in New York City. Well, it's good to see you in our studios, and it's good that you were once a radio person, so you know what studios look like and you know how to operate in them. <laughs> I spent uh, most of the 1990s on uh, talk radio in the state of Indiana. Not Nothing like WABC, but we were well, a lot of little mom-and-pop radio stations all we, across the state every Since day. we're talking about radio, I'm yeah. going to go off, off script. Yeah. And uh, the electric vehicle companies are trying to take AM radios out of their, they're trying to take AM radios out of the cars. And it's, we were part of the FEMA, we were part of the national defense system uh, in case of emergency. And uh, I think it's wrong to do that, take AM radios out of the cars. John, it's completely wrong. Uh, and uh, and I, I have to tell you, for me... AM talk radio, which, which remember back in the 1980s, people were talking about shutting down AM radio. And then talk radio and WABC and elsewhere around the country all took off. And it's become a, a meeting place for the American people. It's where we come together, we get information, and uh, taking nothing away from FM, taking nothing away from satellite radio, but uh, making sure that uh, these new electric vehicles include FM and AM, as well as all the other new technology, I think is a real priority for the free flow of information in America well, and maintaining an open debate across I this country. I agree with 100%, and we're going to challenge the electric vehicle companies on, on trying to take uh, AM radios out, and uh, it's only common sense that we keep them. But yeah, there's so many things happening in the world. I don't know where you want to start. You want to start on the borders. I mean, the fentanyl is killing 100,000 Americans a year, every 12 months, and nobody's doing anything about it. John, thanks for starting with fentanyl, because we all see on television every night the worst crisis on our border in history. Five million people allowed to come across our border in the first two years of the Biden administration after they ended construction of the wall. They effectively ended the Remain in Mexico policy that we negotiated in the Trump-Pence administration. And an avalanche of humanity has been coming into our country. You put your finger on what, what too often is not talked about, and that is as the cartels are engaged in this unprecedented 
human trafficking across our southern border. They're also engaging in, in moving a narcotics, most especially fentanyl, into virtually every community in this country. It is claiming lives. I have to tell you, as I travel around the country and meet with law enforcement, there is no city or town in America that isn't battling back against fentanyl, and that makes literally every state, every community in America uh, is a border state. It's a border community. They're all dealing with this. It's one of the reasons why we have to get back to the policies that we put into effect that reduced illegal immigration and asylum abuse by 90%, because then you have the ability to send resources and confront the flow of illegal drugs and and other people that uh, are attempting to come into our country with dangerous intent. It it happens that Saudi Arabia hates our people in charge in Washington so much. China is using their influence to uh, get Saudi Arabia to recognize Iran. I mean, what is going on here, uh, Mr. Vice President? I think you're witnessing a vacuum of leadership on the global stage largely owing to the failed policies of the Biden administration. I mean, the fact that you now have, you had President Xi in Moscow with Putin earlier this week, you you have China negotiating relations and some sort of a normalization between Saudi Arabia and Iran is all evidence of a vacuum that's been created about the United States pulling back. I mean, we're sending mixed signals to our most cherished ally, Israel, Instead of building on the Abraham Accords, that were that was the first peace agreement in the wider Arab world with the state of Israel and Arab nations in 25 years. And for the first two years of the Biden administration, they wouldn't even use the term Abraham Accords. That's what they should have been doing. But but literally, whether it be, you know, kowtowing to Iran, begging them to come back into the Iran nuclear deal, the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, or the really the, the slow support of, uh, of the Ukrainian military that continues to, U.S. support continues to move too slowly today. It's a vacuum of American leadership. It's one of the reasons why we need strong, bold leader. We're the leader of the free world. And if America's not leading in the free world, the free world's not being led. Mr. Vice President, we do have a problem I'm not sure we're going to make it to 2076 unless we have new leadership in our country because you saw what happened in Venezuela. In 20 short years, it went from the wealthiest country in South America to zero. Yeah, and we're sitting here watching it all, and it is chaotic. It feels rudderless. It, it, it is. And the Democratic Party is just advancing socialist policy. And I, and I just gave a speech at William and Lee this week, John and Rita. And, and it, I, was, I, I got with a group of college kids because I want, I want to speak plainly to young people in this country about the fact that we have a national debt the size of our nation's economy today, but left unchecked. If we're unwilling to provide compassionate and common sense reforms to entitlements in this country, in the next 30 years, John, that $32 trillion is going to swell to $150 trillion. And that's going to crush the American economy under an avalanche of debt. And we'll be faced with only bad choices of either doubling middle income taxes or actually considering cutting programs for people that actually need them. It's one of the reasons why I'm calling. Uh, not, I mean, Joe Biden's policy is insolvency. But I'm calling on leaders all across our party to just let's roll our sleeves up. Let's be honest with the American people Mm -hmm. about the debt crisis that we're facing. The only way out of it is growth 
restoring the policies that we had in effect in the Trump-Pence years of less taxes, less regulation, more American energy. But then let's have a conversation about the need for common sense and compassionate reform for younger Americans of these entitlement programs and save our country from a crushing mountain range of debt. You know, we're talking about all these huge issues, Mr. Vice President. Everybody, we're talking to the former Vice President, Mike Pence, here on Katz and Cosby. Um, And I think about between the border, between Russia, Ukraine, economy. Um, But it seems that Democrats are focused on Trump, 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 especially with the grand jury. What are your thoughts just about all of that? Well, I addressed that this weekend when the the word originally emerged of the possibility of indicting a former president of the United States on uh, campaign finance charges seven years in the past. It, it clearly, it was from the very get-go, I said it was obviously politically charged. I think tens of millions of Americans have come to that conclusion. My, my hope is that even the Manhattan DA will think better of it and not go forward. But, uh, but you know, i got to be honest with you. You're right, Rita, the way you put it. The media is preoccupied with this story. And it looks uh, and, like the DA may, might be blinking because there was an, uh, uh, how do you say, an oh crap moment a few times this week. Yeah, uh, with when Bob they realized uh, with Bob Costello when uh, he testified in the, uh, in the grand jury. Yeah, that's right. And the grand jury, uh, a few of them were scratching their heads. John, uh, I, you know, I, I hope that's right. Look, I, uh, we all know nobody's above the law, but nobody's beneath the law either. I mean, you have someone who, you had an AG in this state, now you have this Manhattan DA who campaigned on going after one particular America. Uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound like um, uh, equal treatment before the law that every American expects. And so, look, I, I don't know the facts uh, around this case or the merits of it, and not here to defend it. But I'm, I, I'm here to say my hope is, since it has never happened before in American history, that even the Manhattan DA Ulysses, will think- Ulysses S. Grant, while he was president, was arrested for racing his horse around Washington. Well, right. that, that would be. But, well, thanks that, for that, John. By the way, that might have been more serious, that, right? But what I'm saying, in this case, I truly do believe that the notion of bringing criminal charges against a former president based on campaign finance violations of seven years ago, it just seems to me it does not rise to the level... But, Rita, I love what you said. Bottom line, this is not what the American people are talking about. I've been traveling all over the country. The American people want us to deal with the challenges facing families with record inflation, the crisis at the border, uh, Russia on the move, all the challenges we face. That's where I'm going to stay focused in the Mr. months Mr. Vice years President, ahead. thank you so much for coming in today. And uh, we look forward to having more discussions with you because it seems like you have real common sense. Yeah, we, <laughs> we need more of that. And such an honor to see and you. And you're an Indiana you. person. That means you're from the Hoosier State. Yeah, you know all about that. My wife. <laughs> She's the best. Give her my best. Thank you so much. You're listening to a show that isn't about finding Republican or Democratic ideas. It's just focused on finding solutions. It's the Cats Roundtable. What is today? It's Judge Janine Pirro. And uh, there's so many things going on. We need a, a real judge to tell us what the heck is going on. Judge Janine, what is going on in New York uh, uh, with, the, the, with the Trump case, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? 
Okay. Well, I think although, you know, my background as a judge is helpful, I think my background as the district attorney is even more uh, helpful in terms of the analysis of this case. What you've got is a DA who is now realizing that, you know, maybe listening to the loudest voice in the room is not the way to go. That, in fact, uh, the attempt to indict a president on a crime that is probably past the statute of limitations, on a crime that is a misdemeanor, that they are attempting to make a felony by bootstrapping uh, a federal crime to it over which they have no jurisdiction, which federal crime uh, was not considered prosecutable by the Department of Justice, the Southern District of New York, by the Federal Election Committee, Commission or anyone else. So uh, you've got a statute of limitations problems, you've got indictment sufficiency problems, and you've got problems with jurisdiction, not to mention that this case is based upon the testimony of probably the most unbelievable witness to have ever passed through the DA's office there, a guy who has given more contradictory statements regarding Donald Trump, and that, that, that Donald Trump had to have a lawyer who worked with Michael Cohen, uh, who came into the grand jury and said, look, you can't believe him. I was with him at a time when he was suicidal. He was about to kill himself. The only thing that he could save himself with was trying to go after Donald Trump. And they kept saying, do you have any evidence to go after Donald Trump? He said, no, I don't. I don't. And yet at a time when he could have salvaged himself from this suicidal tendency that he had, he didn't. He wasn't interested in, in saying anything and didn't know anything about Donald Trump. Now that He's a convicted perjurer, or a convicted felon, a liar, someone who has lied before Congress and the people of the United States. They want to base this flimsy jurisdictional statute of limitation barred case on, a indivi- on an individual who is incredible, I would say, as a matter of law. If a jury believes that he has lied about one thing, they are free to disregard his entire testimony. So now we've got this Alvin Bragg who said, hey, hey. I'm going to be the one DA who's going to indict the president, former president of the United States. I'll go down in history as this famous DA. Look, the guy can't wait to reduce felons uh, or felony charges against New Yorkers to misdemeanors, but he can't wait to raise a misdemeanor case to a felony over which he has no jurisdiction and is not even a felony. I mean, this is politics at its worst. It is a, a banana republic. The hate that the left has, I mean, they want to call people on the right racist. The hate that that Alvin Bragg, Letitia James have for Donald Trump is unbelievable. And that they would weaponize our criminal justice system on a case that every prosecutor agrees with uh, that I know of, who's the real DA, that they would go forward with this stunning. And, you know, not only that. The prosecutor pushing the case is a former assistant United States attorney who, who hates Republicans, who was so mad about Donald Trump, he wrote a book about him based on information he got in the DA's office that is unethical. It is improper. This guy, Mark Pomerantz, is pushing, pushing, and he says, I'm going to quit. Well, you were never really an ADA to begin with. You're an assistant U.S. attorney who spent your life getting involved in political prosecutions. So, you know what? If they want to bring it on, let them bring it on. And that case will go down in flames.
people enter into. Can I, can I describe you? Plan. Can I describe you that you're mad as heck and you can't take it anymore? You can say that. Uh, I am furious, and I'm at a, 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 a high boil at this point, and I don't want my justice system to be infected by these by these political operatives. Justice in America must be clean. It cannot be run by haters who go after political opponents. Well, I agree with you 100%. And uh, uh, my God. Well, Janine Pirro, you're going to be on today at 11 o'clock on WABCradio.com. You're on every Sunday between 11 and 12. What are you going to talk about then? Uh, I'm going to talk about this uh, this whole miscarriage or attempted miscarriage of justice. I'm also going to talk about this new world order that Xi Jinping and uh, Putin, Vladimir Putin, are trying to put together. Where is America? Are we still at the top of the mountain right now? Uh, are these are these leftists? who are interested in all kinds of, uh, you know, this, this woke nonsense? Are they, are they tearing us down and making it impossible for us to be the military superpower that we were? And I've got some great guests coming on. I'm very worried for this country. Uh, we've got to recognize that these woke people are nothing but an infection on the American uh, system and, you know, whether it's military, whether it's criminal justice, civil justice, the economic system, we're in, we're in a real mess. And Joe Biden doesn't have a clue. Jean, Janine Pirro, Judge, um, I agree with you. I worry about our country making it to 2076, the 300th year anniversary of our country. And every American has to work hard and worry about that big picture because our grandkids and great-grandkids to come are not going to have the United States of America and the world needs it. Let's not let the dictators yep. take charge of the world. Without a doubt. All right, John. Well, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be listening to the rest of your show and I uh, look forward to getting started on mine. Thank God you. God bless. God bless you as well, John. Bye-bye. With us today is Mario Economo. Uh, he is a banker uh, in New York and formerly in London and in Zurich. And um, he keeps his ears to the ground and usually gives us a good uh, indication of what's going on in Europe. Uh, Mario, uh, fill us in. Is there any new developments in Europe? Yes. Uh, good morning, uh, Cats Roundtable. Um, we're going to speak about France uh, a little bit today. Before we do that, let's just wish our friends in Greece a happy Independence Day, because Saturday, the 25th of March, was Greek Independence Day. So a very happy Independence Day to our fellow Greeks. Uh, France, uh, the situation in France is not good. There continue to be massive protests in the street. Um, the police are saying roughly one million people are protesting. The organizers are saying it's roughly three and a half million people across the country that are protesting. These are very violent protests. They involve fires. They involve uh, those Molotov cocktail uh, bombs, which uh, light things on fire. Um, I understand that in, I believe it's in Bordeaux, the city hall uh, was essentially um, on fire. Uh, the police has been responding in a very aggressive way, in fact, so much so that the Council of Europe has uh, raised concerns with respect to police brutality uh, in terms of beating up the protesters. 
This all stemmed from the fact that the president of France, Mr. Macron, had uh, has increased the retirement age from 62 to 64 years of age. It's going to be introduced in a staggered way between now and 2030, I believe. But uh, many people are against this. Uh, they're also against the way he had this measure uh, essentially approved by a presidential decree, uh, bypassing the lower house and a vote in the lower house because he knew he would not be able to secure enough votes in the lower house. The situation on the streets and in general in France right now is so bad that the president of France has actually asked King Charles from Great Britain, who was scheduled to visit officially on March the 29th, to postpone his visit and to come at a later date. Ukraine, Russia, is there any any difference? I mean, you said to us before that you, the Wagner Group is leaving. Did they fail to get paid or what's going on? Uh, so what's happened now with the Wagner Group is an interesting story. Um, the gentleman who essentially owns it and runs it, a Mr. Pergozin, uh, it is rumored that he is uh, he's saying basically that the Kremlin wants uh, him assassinated. So he has left and he's no longer on the ground and he's saying he's going to reorganize and pull his troops out of there and he's going to actually focus on Africa. I'm not too sure what happened. We were under the impression, and we had been told by him and others, that he was, in fact, uh, going to secure the city of Bakhmut, which was going to be a big, major strategic victory for the Russians. He did secure three sides of it uh, and all the highways leading into it except for one. Um, He subsequently raised the uh, flag of the Wagner Group, which was perhaps a big mistake to make. He should have raised the Russian flag first and maybe his below it. Um, And he also did come out publicly and say that it was his goal to essentially become the leader of the Ukraine. And I think both of those things made him fall out of favor with the Kremlin. Uh, And we saw the the Russian state uh, not providing the ammunition that he kept saying he needed in order to continue the battle. Having said that, that does not mean that the Ukrainians have made great gains in Bakhmut, and I think right now the situation in Bakhmut is that um, although the Russians still control it, they don't have 100% control of it, and the Ukrainians are trying to launch a counteroffensive to retake it. It's a bloody battle, it's a very brutal battle, and a lot of people are dying on both sides. If we stay with the whole uh, narrative of respect what's going on in Ukraine, we know that the United Kingdom, the British, have basically said they're going to be uh, providing to the Ukraine what are called depleted uranium shells. These are um, shells that are used in artillery rounds, projectiles. The Russians, for their part, have said that if the uh, British do provide that to the Ukrainians, they will deem it as a nuclear threat and they will respond accordingly. Um, We know also that in Germany, the Chancellor of Germany, uh, Mr. Schultz, has said that he's all for trying to figure out how to have President Putin arrested and brought to justice and trial in front of the International Criminal Court. The reality is it's going to be virtually impossible. In fact, it is going to be impossible for anybody to go into Russia and to get a hold of uh, President Putin. But the rhetoric on both sides is escalating, and once he made that statement, Mr. Medvedev in Russia responded by saying that statements of that nature will result in a direct strike on the Bundestag in Germany, essentially obliterating the German government. 
So the rhetoric is high on both sides. Once again, we're going to say there's going to be a G20 in September in India, and you and I are hopeful that they will sit around the table and that they will reach some type of an agreement in order to achieve a ceasefire. Now, of all these things happening, which one concerns you the most? The one that concerns me the most is obviously this uh, relationship now that's deepening between Russia and China. Uh, China, China's president was recently there, and he had a very warm visit. And if you look at the pictures, the optics of it, if you recall, when President Putin met with the various European leaders, he sat at one end of a very long, long table, and the European leaders were all the way on the other side. Uh, with the Chinese president, he literally sat side by side with him. They actually warmly shaked each other's hands. They spoke in very nice terms with respect to each other's countries, and they looked forward, they said, to a deepening relationship on all levels between the two. The one silver lining that comes out of that meeting, however, is the fact that China has not agreed to uh, this uh, pipeline, this uh, pipeline that's supposed to go through Mongolia and into uh, China from Russia to provide natural gas. Uh, I think President Putin was hoping that they would agree to the completion of this uh, pipeline. Uh, that was not agreed. And I think the concern China has is it doesn't want to become too reliant, just like Germany did, on Russian natural gas, and especially so since once a pipeline can be blown up, the gas just disappears. So I think that uh, the Chinese president is careful and cautious with respect to that. That actually helps the U.S. out strategically because it means there won't be this unlimited natural gas, cheap energy supply that China could benefit from. And that does give a, a small advantage for the time being to the U.S. But the longer term concerns with respect to a deepening relationship between Russia and China are very real. And they're there for both uh, the, uh, Europe and for the United States of America. Uh, the European community, uh, the European uh, Central Bank uh, raised the rates a half a point. And right now in America and uh, in Europe, there's the people are scratching their heads. Are there going to be more uh, problems ahead? Uh, they, they've destroyed the real estate industry. Now they're, they're after the financial industry. And uh, I understand that the Deutsche Bank uh, uh, people were questioning uh, on Friday. Yes, so here we go. This is, you're absolutely right. And this is once again uh, all about confidence. Somebody says something and all of a sudden questions are raised with respect to the confidence in a particular bank. And in this case, questions were raised about Deutsche Bank. The Germans were quick to announce that Deutsche Bank's a very solid bank with very good earnings and profits. Uh, the ECB has been saying nonstop that there is no problem with the European banks, but it's one of those things. The more people say there aren't any issues with something, the more people start to question and doubt the integrity of the statements those people are making with respect to the viability of an institution. You're right, Deutsche Bank came under tremendous pressure on Friday, and it will be interesting to see what will happen uh, in the coming week. On that note also, I should point out that last weekend when we saw the uh, merger of UBS with Credit Suisse, uh, polls have been conducted in Switzerland, and over 50% of the people uh, in Switzerland disapprove of this uh, merger. The reality is there was no other choice other than the Swiss government nationalizing Credit Suisse, which would have actually been far the worst option. 
Thank you, Mario Conomo. We we pray for our country. We pray for Europe. We pray for uh, America. Uh, and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you, and enjoy your Sunday. With crime running rampant in New York, you need to keep yourself and your family safe. Obtaining your concealed carry firearm licenses can be difficult and time-consuming. That's where MyFirstPistol.com comes in. They'll help you secure your concealed carry license. If you're looking for a pistol, premise, rifle, or shotgun license, call 347-559-7052. 347-559-7052. You must have a valid firearm license issued by the NYPD to purchase, possess, or shoot a handgun or pistol in NYC. Welcome back to the Cats Roundtable with John Katsimatidis. And we continue with the Cats Roundtable with truth, justice, and the American way because that's what our heart believes in. With us today is Dr. Peter Michalos on uh, more advice of how to live longer and, and live healthier. Uh, and uh, Dr. Peter Michalos, uh, tell us the subject today. Today we're going to just talk about adverse medication reactions, a very important topic because we now know that in the United States there are one million visits a year to emergency room because of adverse medication reactions. And first of all, we have to start out with basic medication safety. And one of the things is when you call in prescriptions or when you ask for a renewal or your doctor, it's always good to have your bottles with you so you can repeat with the pharmacist your number of milligrams and how you take medicine and double check what the bottle says sometimes. And even now, when you can look up the number on the pill on the internet, for example, if it says G57 and you put it inside your uh, computer, you can find out what medicine it is because there are sometimes instances where a pharmacy intern, for example, at a chain store or pharmacy, uh, might give you the wrong medicine, and you don't want to get the wrong medicine because that does happen in the United States, just like it happens sometimes in the hospital. Uh, I remember once uh, being in a hospital and someone came over and they had a syringe in their hand, and I was like sort of out of it, but they, I said, no, 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 uh, please double check, and it was not for me. It was for the patient next to me, and they were going to give me 60 units of insulin, which would probably killed me. Uh, being a non-diabetic, so sometimes you have it does happen to people, believe it or not. So uh, one of the things is also keeping medicines out of the reach of children, because sometimes if a child takes two Tylenol with codeine, that could kill them and stop their breathing. So using those safety caps is very important, and putting them in high up places, and also medicine cabinets. I advise, especially people with teenage children, they should consider having a lock on medicine cabinets, because sometimes when people have surgery, they save their narcotic medication, and then one of the kids samples it, and once they get hooked and they don't have any more, then they turn to the street pharmacist, and many young people are addicted to these things, and that's why in the rehab centers around the country, they're filled with people who are have been addicted accidentally or inadvertently with medications kept. There are options to get rid of these medicines safely in local police stations, and you can also look online. Many pharmacies have special receptacles to get rid of old medicines and old narcotics. And another mistake people do is they flush them down the toilet. And guess what? That goes into our oceans, our streams, our waters. And the last thing you want is some of these medications with side effects. The other things that we have to be very careful of is, you know, we don't have a, a, a country of origin labeled on our medicines. 
everything else we buy in the United States, whether you buy a pen or a trinket, it'll say exactly where it's made in. The lobbyists have fought nice and hard, so people don't really know what the country of origin, just like recently, I don't really want to mention the country, but it was not the United States. They had some eye drops that were preservative-free, and the water that's used in that is critical, and some of the waters in other countries may not be as clean. And those eye drops had something called Pseudomonas aeruginosa, which is a bacteria that can infiltrate the cornea and melt the cornea. And some of those bacteria can actually go down in through the tear duct into your nose when the tears drain into your nose. And actually several people died from those eye drops recently in the news. And we have to be extra careful. You can't depend 100% uh, on doctors. And, and uh, I think you can't depend 100% on pharmacists and you should be extra due diligent. Is that what uh, we're, we meant yeah. to say is, uh, today? Yeah, absolutely. The doctor will type in the prescription, the correct name and the doses uh, oftentimes because they have the chart right in front of them. But when it's received on the other end and you have some of these chain store large pharmacies where you don't get the personal attention that you would get, for example, in a Christidis pharmacy where you have a much more family-type unit pharmacy situation, and the pharmacists are consistent, whereas some of these chains, they have a new pharmacist every day, and suddenly they get hit at 9 a.m. with 40 prescriptions, and suddenly someone's uh, metropolol for uh, blood pressure and heart rate gets mixed with metformin for diabetes, and the wrong pill gets into the container. So I think now that because of the volume and because of short staffing, I think people need to advocate for themselves, and at least when you get your first bottle, just check one pill and look at it. And if you can't see it and your eyesight isn't great, you take a picture with your phone and magnifier and see what the number on the pill is. And then that will confirm for you because now all pills are not the same depending on their country of origin. And a lot of insurance companies push us into pills made in other countries. And as we know, there were many recalls recently with blood pressure medicines and they found these unacceptable level of nitrites in them, which are associated with cancers. So you can always look for uh, alerts. And a lot of times you can even go on the internet with whatever medicines you put and you can put recent alerts or uh, warnings from the FDA on whatever your medicine is. And a lot, just like for car safety recalls, you can put in your VIN number and it'll print up any recalls on your car. But you can do the same thing with medications. And a lot of times drugs are tested for side effects one at a time, but nobody talks about when you're on three or four different medicines, how do all those different medicines interact with each other in our bodies? Because as we've talked about before on WABC, we're a big bag of chemicals and we, we have all these other medicines. Oftentimes we don't know how they interact in our bodies. So being your own, yes. you know, now with the internet, we can look these things up. Dr. Peter Mihalos, thank you for the update. Uh, always check your pills, double check if it looks different. And, uh, uh, that way, you know, you're better off being precautious uh, than uh, than not being. And uh, thank you for your advice, and hopefully all our listeners live longer and listen to us longer. Absolutely, and thanks for always getting the truth out and helping keep people in America and the world safer. With us today is Gordon Chang, and uh, he is the expert, the person that's in the know what's going on in the Far East, what's going on in China, and uh, his Twitter, Gordon G. Chang, and 24 hours a day, you can stay in, t in touch with him and find out what's going on. 
Uh, Gordon, uh, tell us, uh, what, give us an update of, uh, of what's going on currently. How is the trip uh, to Moscow? Are, uh, is he back in uh, Beijing, etc.? Xi Jinping issued some ominous words on Wednesday when he said goodbye to Vladimir Putin. Um, he said uh, change is coming that has not occurred over the last hundred years. And then he said to Putin, and together we are driving that change. And what he's saying is that the world is dividing into camps. China and Russia are now forming an axis and that they are more important than the United States and the great Western democracies. Because he say, look, China and Russia are the ones in the catbird seat. And what he is effectively saying, John, is that they can act with impunity. So we should expect the worst. China and who are the current allies that uh, they're relying on or relying on China? You know, China is a transnational criminal organization. But to answer your question, um, we're looking at an axis of China and Russia at the core with China as the senior partner. And around it are the proxies. So, for instance, North Korea, Iran, Pakistan, Algeria. And that means that when conflict occurs in one place, it can spread to others. So we're talking about both ends of the Eurasian landmass and perhaps North Africa as well. So right now, we've got a China that believes it can do what it wants, and it's got friends and allies now who will implement its policies. So this is where the United States is in a quandary because Biden doesn't want to acknowledge the world has divided, and that therefore he's not dealing with the world as it is, and therefore he's not being effective. We understand that... Uh... Uh, China has recruited Saudi Arabia uh, to become closer to Iran because, in my opinion, Saudi Arabia doesn't trust what's going on in Washington. Is there anything different? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right about that. Um, Saudi Arabia had great relations with the United States during the Trump years, and then it saw a complete reversal of policy under Biden because when Biden was running for president, he said that he was going to make Saudi Arabia, Arabia a pariah. Uh, that was because over the murder of Khashoggi. And that's exactly what Biden did. Um, and it's not just Saudi Arabia seeing this dramatic reversal in American policy. It's the other five members of the Gulf Cooperation Council. They plan and they're planning um, many decades in their development of the country's economies. And, and they need a, a consistent U.S. foreign policy, not one that changes with every change in administration. So that's why we're seeing these countries um, now get closer to China, because, um, you know, at least they don't like China. But on the other hand, they can count on what China is going to do, and they can't count on us. Understood. Um, what else you want to tell uh, the, the American people uh, which we're transmitting nationwide uh, today? What do we do? Well, I think that what we have to do is to cut our relations with China. And I know that for many people that sounds tr drastic, but China is using every point of contact to subvert the U.S. The big news last week was TikTok. Um, the TikTok CEO testified before the House Committee on Commerce and Energy, and he was not able to answer questions. Uh, he wasn't able to answer questions on the surreptitious and illegal taking of data, um, he did say, well, we plan to base it in the U.S., 
Um, but that's not good enough for a number of reasons. And also, he was not able to answer questions which are more important, and that's the China's use of the TikTok algorithm that curates content. In other words, it's the algorithm that determines what your kids see, sees and don't sees. see. The TikTok CEO, um, CEO Chow Chu, was not able to talk about that because that's exactly what Beijing is doing. Anything new coming up on Taiwan? Uh, Taiwan's uh, former president, Ma Ying-jeou, is going to um, the China, um, and that is in preparation, I suppose, for the 2024 presidential elections on the island. Uh, the island right now, the president is tying when she's going to come to California um, to see House Speaker Kevin McCarthy at um, the Reagan Library. Um, Beijing is going to be upset about that, um, but it's important that we have good relations and strong relations with Taiwan, plus also that we be seen as supporting Taiwan. Because if we do that, yes, the Chinese will be angry, but they will back off because they don't want to take on the United States. Um, but right now, the Biden administration is not being strong as it needs to be on Taiwan. Gordon Chang uh, and your Twitter at Gordon G. Chang is people should be on your Twitter. That way they know 24 hours a day what's going on. Thank you so much for filling in on a Sunday morning, the American people. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank you so much, John. Thank you. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. Well, we're back, and uh, we have the country's leading economist, the number one show on, on Fox Business. Uh, we have Larry Kudlow with us, and, and we're going to find out what the heck is going on because, um, well, a lot of things happening. Uh, Mr. Kudlow, or otherwise known as Larry. <laughs> Larry, what's going on? I mean, uh, right now it looks like to me, in my opinion, that we destroyed the real estate industry, and now we're going to destroy the banks too. What, what, what's going on? I'm a little bit, <laughs> I'm a little dramatical, but I say it the way it is. Well, <laughs> one of the things I learned this week, John, is that not even Alvin Bragg can indict a ham sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one, Larry. I take judicial notice of that. Okay. You can you can use that, Rita. I it it must have been a Jewish holiday and uh, you. your ham was in kosher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, one of the things that everybody's trying to figure out with respect to the banking problem is what in God's name is Janet Yellen actually telling us or saying? Because she changes her views, you know, uh, Tuesday, we were bailing out the banks and the uninsured deposits. Wednesday, we weren't. Thursday, we were. I don't know if she was saying anything today, but I think it really matters. And I think that, you know, the country needs some leadership and it's not getting it. And by the way, uh, Joe Biden's polls have fallen so much since last Sunday when the bailouts first started. Middle income people. Uh, working folks uh, do not wish to pay for the rogue banking 
that some of these regionals engaged in. And so I think that's one very important point. Regarding the bigger issue of contagion, um, you know, I can hold my breath and say to you, it doesn't look like a severe contagion, okay? But the Federal Reserve has pumped in over $300 billion in new money uh, in the last two-week period. That's from their official statement of statistics. It's called the H-41, which tells me that a whole lot of banks were borrowing from the discount window, using the new credit line facility, and that the uh, Fed had to give the FDIC a lot of money, actually about $150 billion, to cover uninsured deposits. And that tells me that there's still a problem out there. So it's hard to predict, John. I mean, I, I don't want to predict, but um, I would say we're still on tender hooks with this whole banking story. Well, the, the more the Fed uh, raises the rate, the more interest uh, that we have to pay on the bonds. But th- there was a, a different kind of reaction. Uh, the markets went down, even though the Fed went up. How do you characterize that? Well, look at one thing to keep in mind. I mean, I haven't seen the weekly numbers for stocks. Stocks had a real bad day Wednesday uh, between Jay Powell uh, saying one thing and Janet Yellen saying another markets. You know, we're down at 1.600 points. They were up today. It was it was okay, But, you know, um, the Fed's rate hike was accompanied by an across the board reduction in all other market interest rates. That's what I meant, yes. That's that's a very interesting uh, response. Now, it could say a lot of things, John. It it could say that the Fed's winning the fight against inflation, so inflation expectations are falling. It could also say uh, recession expectations are rising. And maybe it's a combination of the two. One of the oddest things in You know, I've been in and out of this game for just about 50 years. I started the New York Fed in the early 70s. The two-year Treasury, you know, which is ultimately risk-free, their interest rate collapsed and is now trading uh, well over 100 basis points below the Fed's target rate, the Fed's funds rate. That is extremely, extremely rare. It's strange. And... um, Again, it's, it could suggest many things. It could be a recession signal. It could be an inflation signal. I mean, in some theory, in some theoretical sense, the two-year tells you what the Fed funds rate is going to be in two years. So it may be saying, okay, once we get through the peak in the Fed's target rate, maybe we're not so far from it, um, rates will fall. You know, and Larry, oil is at below 70 so that mm-hmm. means something that means that uh, some of the things that are causing the inflation will start to retreat. Uh, gasoline will start to retreat. Diesel fuel will start to retreat. And eventually, mm-hmm. over a few months, the, the, the food prices will start to retreat. But well, we, we, need, we need patience. Yes. No, patience is a virtue. I mean, we're waiting for food and grocery prices to come down. And if they do come down, that would be a, you know, a big help. Uh, in this overall story, a very big help. But, you know, the bank stocks are obviously unhealthy. The bank stock index. There's a lot of fear. Fear is driving the bus in the bank stocks, uh, Larry. Yeah. 
And, it, you know, it's hard to mount a stock market rally when bank stocks are doing as bad as they're doing. Absolutely so, correct. Yeah, and yeah. it's going to cause a recession. It's going to cause a deeper recession if the banks stop lending to business people. And that's the next step. And that's what the fear well, is. Well, I think banks, uh, first of all, bank uh, commercial loan standards have jumped up enormously in the last few months. Enormously. In the last few weeks. Go, go, go and try to get and a then, loan, and you'll so see what me, the – you're not going to get a welcome. Let me finish the point. The second point I want to make is that actual CNI commercial loan uh, lending by the banks is flattened out and is now dipping down. So that's another point. And actual deposits in the banking system are coming down. Now, mind you, commercial banks are somewhat overrated. They're only supplying a little more than 20% of the loans to the rest of the economy. I mean, non-bank lending has been the big story in the last 20, 25 years. So it's hard to make uh, cut-and-dried assumptions about what what this means. I mean, I still come back to two things. Uh, a lot of bank executives misbehaved, point number one. And point number two, the Federal Reserve Bank supervisors misbehave. The examination people misbehave. And so uh, number three, is this going to be a negative for the economy? Yes, absolutely. How big a negative this will be for the economy, I'm not sure we can quantify that just yet. Larry, number one show on Saturday mornings uh, on WABC. Larry Kudlow on from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you, John. Have All a great right, weekend. Thanks for listening to the Cats Roundtable. If you missed any interviews, go to thecatsroundtable.com or go to wabcradio.com. Go to the podcast Get those segments that you missed and have a nice Sunday. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno.